Welcome to the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men, a place where men can find encouragement and strength to remain standing when the battles of life are closing in all around. A place where men will hear honest truth that will equip them and arm them to keep fighting in faith against the enemy's daily opposition. Gentlemen, you and I have been enlisted by God in the spiritual war as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and the enemy wants to steal your joy and rob you of your peace. He wants to divide and destroy your marriages and your families. He wants to distract you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And with his accusations and lies, he will tempt you to give in to fear, doubt, shame, and condemnation. But today, gentlemen, we refuse to allow him to take the win. And today we will stand in the victory that the Lord has won for us. Gentlemen, my brothers in Christ, welcome to the front line. Attack the objective! Here we are again, gentlemen, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the podcast. My name is Matt Knoll, and I'm just grateful to God that you have taken your time today to join me to download this podcast. I really hope that you are finding encouragement and strength in your walk with Jesus as a man of God standing on the front line. That is correct. I'm super excited. I've had two frontline men's prayer Zoom meetings, and they've both been amazing. I've met a lot of great new listen, uh, new uh, listeners, rather, uh, new friends of mine who are listeners of the podcast from all around the world. And uh, we even had a brother last week get up at five in the morning in Australia to join me here at 4 p.m. Eastern Time Canada. Uh, So we've had a wonderful time of just getting to know each other, encouraging each other, and then praying for each other. So if you are interested in that, let me know. Send me an email, standingonthefrontline at gmail.com, and I will be sure to add you into uh, the, the prayer, Frontline Men's Prayer on Zoom. I do want you to know that next Friday, December the 9th, uh, we'll, we will not be having, that's this upcoming Friday, we will not be having a prayer meeting because I will be celebrating with my wife our 20th wedding anniversary. And so uh, we will catch up the following week after. And there might be some time, of course, over the Christmas holidays where we won't meet as well. But I'm excited to get this uh, frontline prayer going for men. Uh, it's so far, two times in, it's been a blessing. And so uh, if you're interested, please let me know. Uh, I would love to hear from you about that. There's power in prayer. And so uh, this is a Friday. I'm recording this on a Friday. Uh, tonight, last weekend, I had a, a, a night, Friday night with my son. We went to a hockey game together. It was awesome just hanging out. My daughter and my wife had plans on their own. Well, tonight, my wife and daughter are going to my sister-in-law's house for a woman's sleepover. That's right. Uh, so my, my wife and daughter are going to go to my my uh, sister-in-law's house, my wife's sister, and their um, our niece, and they're gonna have, I guess, a slumber party. I guess that's what you call it with with girls when you get together. You talk girly stuff, and you, you eat popcorn, and do your nails, and watch. I don't know. Uh, a Hallmark Christmas movie, I suppose. <laughs> but who am I kidding? I watch Hallmark Christmas movies as well. But that means that we, my son and I, have another night together tonight, which is amazing. So we are gonna go get some pizza and wings, and we are gonna watch Gladiator. <laughs> Feel like more of a man just saying that movie title. I'm looking forward to hanging out watching Gladiator with my son. Well, for me, it's been a great 
uh, week at work. We were really busy at, at work, getting a lot of production done. And uh, like I've told you before, I'm into custom wood finishing for my job that pays the bills for me. And uh, this week, sometimes part of my job of managing the finishing department, I have to go on site to the customer's homes. And uh, a lot of times these are like million, multi-million dollar homes because that's the kind of clients that we supply for. Uh, and I was at this really beautiful home and an, an older man, probably in his early early to mid 70s, welcomed me into his home to do some work for him. And we were making small talk and he was showing me photos of his uh, of his grandchildren, telling me about his family. Just a really nice guy and uh, showing me some cool uh, wall pictures he has in his office. And we were just making small talk, small talk as I was working there. And I looked down and I saw a big family Bible on his coffee end table and immediately i'm like yes i'm going to talk about the bible who knows what kind of conversation can spark up from uh mentioning that so i said hey i like that bible that's a nice big one and he's like and he goes on to say yeah i uh i was actually uh an, I, i'm an ordained minister uh, i've been in in pastoral ministry for over 50 years and he and his wife have traveled on missions trips all across the globe he listed off numerous countries that they've been to over the last 50 years on missionary trips and then he pulls out his old photo photo album starts showing me all these old school uh pictures you know nowadays you pull out your phone or your tablet right but he he was showing me all these photos from the 90s of him and his wife on missions trips and and we were just talking about the ministry and and the work of the lord and it was just a really cool conversation i was like oh my goodness lord like i was so glad that i took that opportunity to to mention the bible and and it sparked an amazing conversation with this man uh, who turned out to be a follower of Jesus and a former preacher. I let him know that I'm a preacher and uh, it was just really cool. So uh, I thought I'd share that with you because you, you need to know as you're in your everyday lives, man, like when you make small talk about the things of God, you never know what's going to come from it. And so just be encouraged with that. Uh, you never know the kind of conversation, man, that can unfold. Uh, I would have never known this guy served in ministry for over 50 years uh, much like myself serving in ministry if I had never started that conversation. Something else happened this week at work. Uh, we were spraying and, and finishing uh, a custom white oak, really large, beautiful, custom-made, solid white oak entryway. Uh, this again was for a multi-million dollar home uh, just about 20 minutes away from where we are, our, work, our shop is located. And uh, beautiful, We're, we stay in the door, we got our coatings on the door, the exterior coating uh, to protect from the elements. And, and something went wrong in the coating and it started to dry down really, uh, really blotchy, really hazy. And I was not happy with it. So I talked to my boss and we were looking at it and because every job there's a sample that the customers approved, right? For color and for sheen and all that. And this is just not not looking great and so i we decided that i was going to load up some some top coat and add a little bit of color in it to it to shade it a little bit darker and and as i started to shade this door i immediately knew that it was going too dark i knew it and i but i was i was uh, my hands were tied i had to continue to do it so i just finished the door and i was really upset i was like no i immediately knew this was going to be a a rejection they're gonna have to make a new door and and all that stuff and so anyways I, I let it dry down. I pulled it out of the of the booth. 
I called my boss. I called the sales guy who sold the door and I just told them, listen, I've, I missed the mark, man. I overshot this. And uh, we all talked and said, yeah, it is, you know, it is darker. Uh, but who knows? Maybe the customer, because it looked beautiful. It looked better. The blotchiness was gone because I put so much color on it. Uh, but now not enough grain was showing through. Anyways, the sales guy's like, listen, let's get the homeowner uh, in. And they came in actually this morning when I was working and they came in and they loved it. I was so nervous. I thought for sure we'd have to start uh, stripping down this door and start over again, which would be a huge price tag and a huge burden, which we don't have time for. Anyways, it turned out for the better that they they loved how it looked and everything worked out well. So that was my work week. Uh, it was an exciting one, but I got through it. And now I'm ready for a good weekend starting tonight with my son, Pizza Wings and Russell Crowe in Gladiator. That's right. That's what will be happening for me to start my weekend. So with that, let's get to today's topic. Yeah, sir. Everything's in place and ready to go. Mm hmm. All right, then. Let's go. But like you know, because you've already seen the title of this podcast, uh, you are already interested simply by the title. Uh, it is called A Man's Sex Life. This is episode four of the series that I've been doing regarding a man's life, uh, specifically a Christian man's life. But I started with a man's prayer life, and then I went into a man's work life, and then last week was a man's thought life. And today's podcast is, of course, a man's sex life. We are talking about sex. And sex is a really important uh, subject that we need to be talking about. We need to be talking about everybody else is talking about it in their own selfish, perverted, disgusting ways. The body of Christ needs to talk about sex. Christian men, we need to be talking about sex in a healthy uh, and proper way with the Bible as our foundation. Because the reality is, most men have a sex life. Most men do. And unfortunately, a lot of young men also have sex lives, and they really shouldn't. And when it comes to our sex life, it's either a healthy and an appropriate sex life, or it's an unhealthy, inappropriate sex life. But most men do have a sex life, one or the other, healthy and appropriate or inappropriate and unhealthy. And we as Christian men here on this podcast, our definition of what an appropriate and healthy sex life is, is found in God's word. Not, not the latest trends, not the opinions and the you know, ideas of society and culture and government, not modern school curriculum, not even how we feel about sex or what we think about sex in our own mind, in our own minds. But our definition, we submit our thought and to, to God's definition of sex. We submit our definition of what sex is to God's definition of what he claims and calls sex to be. And that is found in the scriptures. Now, 
Unfortunately, a lot of Christians, a lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of maybe even Christian podcasters, they don't want to talk about sex. Uh, a lot of people frown upon sex. They they deem sex as dirty, as inappropriate, and they avoid talking about sex. And I'll be the first to say, talking about sex, even on this podcast, every time I say the word sex, I kind of cringe with hopes that nobody upstairs in my home hears me. Doesn't matter. I'm joking because nobody's here. Uh, my dog might hear me, but I'm not concerned about that. And even if they were home, I really wouldn't be concerned because uh, sex is a totally normal, healthy thing as far as it is in my home. Uh, so, but saying that, there's something about talking about sex that is just kind of awkward. It's kind of funny. People laugh about it. People joke about it. People get kind of squirmish about talking about sex. But we 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 need to be talking about sex. We need to have a proper perspective with the word of God as our foundation regarding sex and sexuality. And so that's what we're talking about. So we're going to start with this. God created sex. Okay. That's the reality. God created sex. In Genesis chapter two, verse 24 to 25, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife, verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Okay, so there we are. God made Adam, God made Eve, and then it says that they were joined together as husband and wife and they became one flesh. This means one, you, you are two individuals and now you become one individual and this also implies physical oneness, right? When you when a when a husband and a wife have sexual intercourse, they literally become one, as one flesh. You're joined together physically and literally, and that's not the only meaning of them becoming one flesh, but it is part of it because in verse 25, it says Adam and his wife Eve were naked and they felt no shame. They felt no shame as they were husband and wife. And then God told Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 28, to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth. In other words, God told Adam and Eve to make babies. That's what he's talking about here. Make babies, be fruitful, right? Have fun, be fruitful, multiply the earth, have babies. So listen, God. we learned from that passage that God made sex for two reasons. There's two reasons why God made sex. Number one, it's to reproduce. It's to make babies, right? My wife and I have made two babies. One of them is going to be 18, another is going to be 16, right? But that's part of God's creation of sex is to reproduce and to fill the earth with little human beings, babies, right? Make babies. The second reason why God created sex is to enjoy sexual pleasure and satisfaction with your wife, Sexual desire is real, it's normal, it's God-given, and God wants us to be able to enjoy that sexual satisfaction within the context of marriage with our wives. Those are the two reasons why God created sex. And like I said, he wants sex, and actually he created it. God, Listen to this. God. So God created sex as the way that we make babies, Okay. And you know how that works. We don't have to explain that any further. But he could have made it in such a way where it was just, there was nothing great about it. 
It was just kind of like, ah, here we are. We're doing this. You know, if you want to make an egg, you put the frying pan on the the oven. You put some butter in the pan. You put, you crack the egg in the pan. You swirl the egg and when it's hot, it makes an egg, right? You've been there, done that. No big deal. It's not exciting. That's just an analogy off the top of my head. It's probably a lame one, but whatever, right? God could have made it like that. Like, that's no big deal. Here we are. Let's make another baby because we're told to multiply and be fruitful, right? But but God didn't make it that way. God made it so it felt enjoyable. It was something that would bring a husband and a wife together physically, um, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, sexually. It's all combined. Sex is so much more than just physical, sexual intercourse between a, a husband and a wife. It There is a bond. There's a strong spiritual, mental, emotional bond that takes place uh, in sex between a husband and wife. So God made it to be enjoyed. God made it to be pleasurable. He made it to be pure. God made it to be shame-free. God made it to be unifying, right? It unifies a husband and wife. And God simply made it straight up incredible. Sex is amazing. It's created by God and it's a gift from God for a husband and a wife. But the devil and the world has perverted sex. They've taken something beautiful like sex that God created and they've perverted it. The word pervert means to twist. They've perverted it. They've twisted it to become something selfish and dirty. That's what the world has made sex to be. Unfortunately, people are full of sexual lust. People are addicted to pornography and masturbation. Men love to get drunk and spend money at dance, uh, throw money towards, you know, dancers at strip clubs, which is completely wrong, completely not the way that God, what God had in mind when he created sex for women to be dancing and men to be gawking and getting drunk and throwing money. How disgraceful, how dark, how disgusting, how perverted. How perverted it has become, this creation of sex. It's not what it was made for. It was not what God had in mind when he designed and created sex. Sex was never made to be put into magazines. It was never made to be filmed and made into movies and exploited online on the internet and in movie stores. It was never made to be put on television or on the internet. God created sex to be something enjoyable, to be a pure, wonderful thing for a husband and for a wife. He created sex for one purpose and to be used, listen, in one way. God created sex to be used in one way. That is for one man and one woman in the covenant of a marriage relationship. That is the one and the only way that God has created sex to be used in and for. One man and one woman in the covenant of marriage. And we find this in the Bible, which again is the foundation. This is not my idea. This is not my opinion. This is not my interpretation. This is the word of God. We Again, we read in Genesis 2.25. Remember, it said Adam and his wife... Not his girlfriend, not his side chick. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. They were both naked and felt no shame, no embarrassment. The only person, gentlemen, that you should be naked in front of is your wife. 
Now, I agree if you're on a sports team, you might, you know, be in a change room where a bunch of hockey players are getting undressed, you know. Okay, fine. I get that. That's that's slightly different. Kind of awkward. Uh, I've been in a situation like that, you know, where you quickly, you know, get yourself changed. But I'm saying the only person you should be openly exposed, fully exposed, naked in front of is your wife. Because there's no shame there. So many people experience shame because they're getting naked in front of so many people. Let's be real. So many people are sleeping around and fooling around and becoming promiscuous and and committing sexual sin, which involves getting naked in front of people that are not their husband and not their wife. That's not the way that God designed it. There's shame in that. There is shame in that. And I know, as and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, when I was 17 years old in my life, I got into a sinful, sexual, immoral relationship that was not God's plan for my life. It was not healthy. It was not God's will. And the Lord was convicting me. And finally, after a year, by the grace of God, he protected me, but it was immoral. It was wrong. There was shame there because she was not my wife. It was not the way that God had planned it to be. That was not the way that God designed sex for me to be involved in. It's not okay. I've been there before. Maybe you've been there before. A lot of men have been there before. For me now, it's a thing of my past. It's part of my testimony of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness in my life. But there was shame, great shame there. Adam and Eve were married, husband and wife, and naked, and there was no shame. Because it was it was Adam's wife, and there's no shame there. Listen to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 to 21. It says, let your wife... Be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her, your wife, let her breasts satisfy you always. And Christian husband said, yeah, amen. Right? The Bible says, let your godly wife, let your wife's breasts satisfy you always. It's right there in the Bible. May you always be captivated by her love, her love, your wife's love. And then it says, why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. Do you notice that? The only breast that should be satisfying you sexually, gentlemen, are your wives. (laughs) It's right there in the Bible. The only sexual pleasure that you should be a part of is with your wife. Nobody else your wife. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. Paul writes, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, so the Corinthian church had questions to Paul about sex. And he says, regarding these questions that you asked in your letter, he says, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Notice that he says to them, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Right, Because if you abstain from it, you're sure not going to fall into sinful lusts and desires with you know, being sexually active with somebody that's not your wife. So he's like, yeah, it's good to abstain from sexual relations. But then he says, but, but 
because there's so much sexual immorality, another version says so much sexual temptation, and you and I can agree, there's a lot of sexual temptation in the world that we live in. It's everywhere. You see it on billboards and magazines and grocery stores. There's sex everywhere, commercials on TV. It's crazy. You you, got to like when you're watching TV with your family, man, you got to have the remote all the time in your hand so you can get ready to fast forward or shut off because you don't know what commercials are going to show nowadays. I remember when my boy was little, very, very small, probably four or five years old, we were in a grocery store and he was head level. We were in the checkout and he was head level with the magazines. And there were some magazines with some very explicit women, you know, probably like in a bathing suit or lingerie or whatever. And I noticed that he, his eyes were right there. And, and I didn't just say, no, 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 Austin, don't look at that. That's bad. I I went down to his level and, you know, as a five or six year old, whatever he was. And I said, hey, Austin, look at me. And I said, do you notice those women on those magazines? They're not wearing appropriate clothing or enough clothing. He's like, yes, daddy, I do. And I said, do you understand that that's not OK? They should not be uh, having pictures of them on magazines like this, wearing that kind of clothing or the lack thereof. And he's like, OK. And I said, when you see those, you want to make sure that you you just look away. Just look away because your eyes are going to be drawn to that. He's like, okay, daddy. And he was just a young boy, but I taught him that lesson. And so you see it, you see it everywhere there. And so he's like, because there's so much sexual temptation or immorality everywhere, listen to what Paul says to the Corinthian church. Each man should have his own wife. Each man should have his own wife. There's a lot of sexual temptation. So the answer is, Get a wife, get married. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. Right? Listen, you have sexual needs. I have sexual needs, right? That's how God made people. That's how it is. And the Bible says, and Paul is teaching, inspired of the Holy Spirit, that because of this, a man should get married to his wife and a wife, a woman should get married to her husband and they should fulfill those sexual desires in the safe, pure covenant of marriage. It's between a husband and a wife. Every other sexual relationship outside of marriage is immorality. It's immorality. Every other sexual relationship that is outside of the covenant marriage that God has set in place is immorality. Again, in Proverbs, he says, why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman? Get a wife who you can be pure with and and clean with regarding sexuality. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman? Immorality. Listen to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3 to 16. I'm going to read all these verses here, but I want you to listen. It's a, it's a good amount of verses, 13 verses, but this is a powerful portion of scripture regarding sex and sexual purity for men. Okay, listen to this. This is Solomon writing these words down. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Notice that. He, he's describing the way a woman will present herself. You see on 
on these magazines, you know, or the way that these they make up these women. They're so fake. They're doctored up. They're photoshopped up. And they, they look perfect, right? And he's describing, don't be drawn away by their appearance, right? Their, their, their mouth is smoother than oil, right? You, 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 you will see the woman's lips and be drawn into that, that perfect, smooth, right, oil-like texture on her lips. That's what he's saying here. He's like, he's like, these are lips of an immoral woman. Her lips are smoother than oil. Her, her, um, her lips are sweet like honey. But then he says, but in the end, she is as bitter as poison. Oh, she looks so delicious, looks so tasty, looks so attractive. But in the end, in the end, she's as bitter as poison and dangerous as a double-edged sword, right? She seduces that man in and that man is just all consumed by her appearance. And then suddenly, you know, the sexual sin is taking place. And now in the end of all of that, she is bitter as poison and as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Suddenly that man is pierced in and through and out of with this double-edged sword from the lips and this seduction of this immoral woman. It says her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave for she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So now my sons, listen to me. Listen to what he says. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Verse eight, stay away from her, the immoral woman. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Do you hear that? He says, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't go near the door. Don't go to that bar, gentlemen. Don't go to that nightclub where you know those, you know, those seductive women are hanging around. Don't go to that website. Don't play with that fire. Don't even get close to it. Stay far away from those websites. Stay far away from those places that you would go to on the weekend that could lead you astray into the arms of an immoral woman. He says, stay away from her. Don't even go near the door of her house. Right? He doesn't just say, don't go into her house. He says, don't even go near her house. Stay far away from the immoral woman that will lead you to death. If you do, if you go to her house, you will lose your honor. You will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. You notice that. It says you'll lose your honor. How many men, how many Christian men, how many Christian leaders over the years have lost their honor because of falling into an affair with another woman who's not their wife? How many men have been led astray into the depths and the darkness of pornography and being addicted to pornography? They're led astray by these immoral women and they lose their honor. It takes so many years to, and so much time to gain honor as a man. And it takes one wrong decision to lose all of that honor. And it says, you will lose your honor if you go near the door of her house. Verse 10, it says, strangers will consume your wealth. And somebody else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In other words, it's going to destroy your life. How many marriages, Christian marriages even, are destroyed because, again, of an affair. Families are torn apart and broken because a man didn't use um, self-control. He, he just allowed himself to be led into the arms of a seductress, of an immoral woman. And it ruined his life and his marriage and his family and his money and his business and his work and his ministry. Stay far away from them. 
do not go near the door of her house. Verse 11, in the end, you will groan in anguish with when disease consumes your body. Notice that. How many STDs and STIs are running rampant all across our world because of how many people are sleeping around? They have so many sexual partners, hundreds of sexual partners, and they're spreading STIs and disease everywhere. Proverbs here in 5.11 says, in the end, you'll groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. It's right there in the Proverbs, and it's happening in the world that we live in. You will say how I hated how I hated discipline if only I had not ignored all these warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I've come to the brink of utter ruin and now I must face public disgrace. And then he says in verse 15, listen to what he says here. Drink water from your own well. In other words, Have your sexual desires met, like it said in Corinthians. Have your sexual needs met by your wife, from your wife. Drink water from your own well. Have sex with your wife, not another man's wife, not another woman that's not your wife. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife, the Bible says. Share your love only with your wife. Verse 16, why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? Right there. I encourage you, gentlemen, read Proverbs chapter 5. It's a powerful, frightening proverb that we need to be aware of as men regarding our sex and sexual purity and keeping us safe from the immoral woman. It's true. Again, why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman? Now, immorality, right? What's a big word? It's a Bible word. What does immorality mean? As I take a quick sip here. I'm going to read you the definition from the Got Questions website regarding immorality. In the New Testament, the word immorality is most often translated sexual immorality. Sorry, I'm sorry. In the New Testament, the word Sexual immorality is often and mostly translated porneia. This word is also translated as whoredom or fornication and idolatry. It means a surrendering of sexual purity. You're surrendering your sexual purity. And it's primarily used of premarital sexual relationships. From this Greek word, we get the English word pornography, stemming from the concept of selling off. Sexual immorality is the selling off of sexual purity and involves, listen, it involves any type of sexual expression outside the boundaries of a biblically defined marriage. That's what sexual immorality is. It is any type of sexual expression outside the boundaries of a biblically defined marriage. That's what immorality is. Another Bible word with a similar meaning is fornication. You'll find these in the Bible many, many times throughout scripture. Fornication is very simply sexual intercourse between two people who are not married to each other. So according to God's definition of marriage and sex, you are fornicating if you are having sex before you are married. If it's your girlfriend, if it's your, you know, your whoever, your, even your fiance, 
right? It's not your wife. If you are having sex with any woman that is not your wife, she does not have your ring. She does not have the covenant of marriage with you. She's not your wife. Then you are fornicating. You're committing fornication. Sex is meant for a husband and a wife, not a man and his girlfriend. Oh, but we love each other, right? No, no, no. It doesn't matter if you love each other. You got to get married before you have sex. Not a man and his fiance, right? But we're almost married. In six months, we'll be married, right? She has the engagement ring. Yeah, she's your fiance. She's not your, your wife. So don't be having sex. Not a man and his side chick, you know? Oh, my wife doesn't give me enough sex, so I need to go to some immoral woman again. No, no, no. That's not your wife, man. Come on, smarten up. Get it together. Grow up. Man up, right? She's not your wife, so don't be having sex with her and sleeping around. Not a man and his one-night stand. Oh, we're just having fun. It's harmless, right? Oh, we we just at the bar, at the club, and, you know, we were a little tipsy at the end of the night, so, you know, we're just having fun. It meant nothing. I'll never see her again. She'll never see me again. Well, all the while, while you're spreading disease, like it talks about in Proverbs, right? No, no. Sex is meant for a husband and for a wife. This is God's design. This is God's word. It teaches that sex is meant for a husband and a wife, no other relationship. It tells us in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 19, to flee from sexual immorality. It says flee from sexual immorality, right? Fornication, immorality, sexual sin, out sexual relationships outside of marriage. That's immorality. The Bible says to flee from that. Run away from that. If you're not married, run away from sexual sin. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Your body, gentlemen, that you are messing around with sexually with somebody who's not your wife, your body is the temple where the Holy Spirit resides. That's why he's convicting you. That's why you're grieving him and you feel him grieved because he lives inside of you. You are not your own. God did not give you your body just to run wild with all your sexual desires that your body's craving and desiring. Your body is to be restrained. Your body is to be walking in self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Not to be, you know, just some crazy, you know, perverted flesh. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are called to flee from sexual immorality. Flee any sexual relationships outside of marriage. Flee them. Run from them. Right? I want to look at Joseph in the Old Testament in, in, in the Word of God. I love Joseph. He's a man of great character. And he's sold, of course. You probably know the story. He's sold from his brothers and he becomes a slave in the home of Potiphar in Egypt. And we read here in Genesis chapter 39 that he's serving in the house of Potiphar, who, who loves Joseph, who has a lot of respect, who recognizes the hand of God upon Joseph. So we read here in Genesis chapter 39, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. 
with Joseph there, Potiphar didn't even worry about one thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And notice verse 7. He's handsome. He's well-built. He's got muscles. He's got guns. He's been in the gym. He's good-looking. And listen to verse 7. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Notice that. She demanded it. I demand you to sleep with me. I demand you to have sex with me. (laughs) That is crazy. She's a married woman. Her husband's not there, but Joseph's there and he's handsome and he's strong. And the Bible says she demands him to sleep with her. Crazy. But Joseph refused and the church said, amen. Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master Potiphar trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. You're not my wife. You are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Immorality, fornication is a sin against God. And Joseph recognized that if I give in to being tempted, I'm sure in his flesh he was tempted. I'm sure of it. He's alone. His boss isn't there. He has an opportunity to have sex with his boss's wife. I mean, this is... This is an opportunity for a young, handsome, strong man, right? I'm sure part of his flesh was was feeling that temptation, but he resisted. He refused to because he says, how could I sin against God? He loved God. He did not want to sin against God. He didn't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And he resisted immorality and fornication. But notice verse 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. She was not his wife. She was Potiphar's wife. And you don't sleep with any woman who's not your wife. Preach Joseph. Amen. And the Bible says he kept out of her way as much as possible, right? I could just picture like Joseph in the house trying to do his his work and stuff. And he's oh, there she is. And he goes into the next room and just, you know, trying to avoid looking through the security cameras and, oh, she's coming. Hide. You know what I mean? I'm going to I'm going to tap out, you know, a little little early today cuz uh, she's really demanding, you know, f- things of me today and I can't take this. So I'm going to split early uh today. Just let your husband know. See ya. <laughs> right? Right? But l- listen. So one day, verse 11, one day, however, nobody else was around. I want to stop right there. Notice, gentlemen, when nobody else is around, that is the prime time for sexual sin. That is the time you need to be on guard against the temptations of the enemy, against the temptations of your flesh. When you are alone, when nobody else is around, that is the test of your true character. That is the test of your integrity. When nobody else is around, I could do whatever I want to do right now. I could look at whatever I want to look at right now. I could go wherever I want to go. I can mess with any woman I want to mess with. I can sleep with any woman I want to sleep with right now, tonight, because nobody else is around. Nobody else knows me here. I have prime opportunity to sin. That is the time, gentlemen, you need need to be on guard. I encourage you, do not be alone with any other woman who's not your wife. If you need to be with another woman, I would encourage you strongly, do whatever it takes to have your wife there or have somebody else with you. Don't meet alone with another woman. You can't take that chance. Even them lying about you, which we're going to find out about in this story, it can happen. Oh, he did this to me. It happens. 
Gentlemen, you need to walk in wisdom regarding your, your sexuality. You have to walk in wisdom. So one day when nobody else was around, when he went in to do his work, he just showed up for the job, right? He didn't want any problems. Potiphar's wife came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away from the grip of this woman, but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran from the house. He ran away from the house. He fleed sexual immorality. That's what we are called to do. And then, of course, that story goes on where Potiphar's wife gets angry and she lies about Joseph, says that he raped me. He's thrown in prison and in with unjustly. In, and, of course, God was still with him there. But Joseph fleed from sexual immorality. That's what we are called to do, gentlemen. You do not want to give in, even for a moment. One glance, one wrong move you know, looking too long, you know, allowing your thoughts, like we talked about last week, to to encamp upon think, thoughts that are not pure. You want to, you need to be on guard and flee from any form of sexual immorality. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three to five. It is God's will. It is God's will that you should be sanctified and that you should avoid sexual immorality. It's God's will for you. That each of you should learn to control your own body. You need to have control, gentlemen. You can't just do whatever you want to do just because your flesh is crying out. Oh, I just had to relieve myself. I just had to bring the release. I was literally hurting. Oh, I just, I couldn't resist. No, no, no. That's not an excuse. You need to control your own body. I need to control my own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. The majority of men in our world live with sexual lust. They lust after women with their eyes and with their thoughts. They lust after women on TV, on movies. They lust after women and fantasize about them sexually with selfish, filthy, perverted motives, impure motives. Most men are just being led by this. It's happening all over the world. And lust is not of God. Lust is of our sinful flesh. Listen, we are called to walk in love for our wives, not in lust for immoral women. We are called to walk in a selfless, sacrificial love for our wives, not in lust for immoral women and pornography and filthy movies. That is not what we are called to live like regarding our sexuality and our sex life. Listen to what Rick Warren said. He said, God made every one of us a sexual being. That's true. It's We are made that way, designed that way as a sexual being. We're made that way from God. God made every one of us a sexual being, and that is good. Attraction and arousal are the natural, spontaneous, God-given responses to physical beauty. But lust is a deliberate act of the will. It's selfish will. It is selfishness of our flesh. Lust is a deliberate act. You intentionally lust and act selfishly in a sexual way, which is sin. Lust. And we are called to love our wives, not to walk in lust towards other women. 
Your sexual desires are God-given. Your sexual uh, desire for that release in your physical body is God-given. But God does not allow us just to find relief sexually in any way that we want to. He's called us to walk in purity and holiness and uprightness and to keep our sexuality for our wives only. That's it. That, that is how our sex life should look. God has ways that are proper for us to have an honoring and healthy, appropriate sex life. And it's all found in God's word. All of this is on the foundation of the Bible. You, you cannot walk according to your flesh. So many men are, and they're being led astray, and their lives are being broken and damaged, and marriages are being torn apart. Marriages after 20, 30, 40 years even. Men who are led astray by their sexual lust of desires. They're being led astray by just the evil sexual seduction of the world we live in. Gentlemen, we must live on point. We must walk carefully. We got to navigate through the, the weeds of this life, as it were, carefully, because things and people and, and, and even demonic spirits working through, you know, sexual seduction in the world we live in, it's trying to pull us astray. We got to stand on guard and keep our sex life pure and set apart for the glory of God. It's of God. Sex is a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing that God wants a man and a wife to enjoy in the context of marriage alone. And it is. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a blessing. But only when it's done God's way. And so I want to encourage you, gentlemen, maybe you're listening and maybe you're struggling right now with sexual sin. Maybe you're struggling with maybe a, a pornography addiction. You're struggling with these, these um, inappropriate ways of, of, of finding sexual satisfaction in your life. You're, you're looking at wrong things. You're going wrong places. Gentlemen, I want to encourage you to submit to God's plan for your sex life. Don't be led astray by your own desires of your flesh regarding your sex life. God's ways are best. God's ways are best. And so if you're struggling, I want you to know that I'll, I will be praying for you. You can email me, standing on the frontline at gmail.com. You can connect with me on social media, Instagram and Facebook at the frontline man. Send me a DM. Let me know that, it, you know, if you need prayer for any of these areas, these specific areas regarding your sex life, gentlemen, I want to make myself available. So I hope that you are encouraged by this podcast. I hope that you don't feel any condemnation, but I hope that you're challenged and convicted by the word of God. I've, I've, covered this podcast with scriptures from the word of God regarding a man's sex life, because that needs to be the foundation of every man's sex life. So gentlemen, again, let me know if you want to join for Frontline Men's Prayer. Uh, again, it won't be happening this upcoming Friday uh, because I will not be in town. I am going away for my wedding anniversary. And so we will uh, we'll be in touch. But again, let me know, you know if you need anything, I'm available. But until next time, gentlemen, just keep standing on the front line for the glory and for the honor of God. Keep fighting firm in faith, knowing that God is fighting with you, going before you. So gentlemen, until next time, God bless you. Thanks for joining me on the front line. We're done here. Time to go. I hope that you were challenged, equipped, and encouraged to remain standing for Jesus, your marriages, your families, and the plans and purposes of God for your life. I am prepared. I'd love to connect with you. 
follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at The Frontline Man. Follow me and you're in good company. Watch the podcast on YouTube. Watch it. And also email me questions, comments, or prayer requests at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. I just want to talk. One more thing, if you could please leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, this would really help spread the word of the podcast to other listeners around the world. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. Until next time, gentlemen, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God. We stand ready.